0: You're listening to the Bug Bucks podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire.
1: And so, it was really understanding the psychology of you know the human being and how they work and what makes them them tick. And a lot of it was he came in and he interviewed a lot of my managers. Hey. If, you know, if Cameron ego wasn't engaged, what would you say to him? What, what do you like? What don't you like? And he was able to point out a lot of, a lot of flaws that I had as an owner. You know, that was mission critical for me because of just my lack of wisdom and expertise, you know?
0: Hey everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm your host, Alan Draper. I've got my main man, Eric Bassett here with me. What's going on, Eric.
2: Hey, Alan! Not too much, man. I am excited for this episode, dude. It's going to be a good one.
0: Yeah, a great episode in store. Somebody that I look up to in the industry, very large company that does very well. Lots of moving parts there. Before we get to him, I wanted to remind everybody about our Facebook group Bug Bucks B U G B U X. Make sure to join it. I think we have around thirty three hundred PCOs in there. Also there's been some rumblings in that group and elsewhere about some additional tools that BugBucks is going to be providing in the coming months. So I'm not giving out too much info right now, but there's going to be some really great resources that we're going to be unveiling for PCOs and specifically for PCOs that are trying to scale their companies and get to the next level. So be looking for that. And again, make sure to join our Facebook group. There will be more details in there. B-U-G-B-U-X. I'm excited for our guest today. It's Cameron Bodden. And Cameron is the owner of Hype Farm Premium Home Services, which is actually the parent company to seven successful brands. Among those brands are Green Mango Pest Control, which most of us have heard about, Coconut Cleaning, and Agave Auto Glass. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Thank you excited to be on here with you guys. okay so in full disclosure for the listener, this is our second take at this but now <laughs> now we've we have a practice round so we got to the point where we were talking about things that I felt were so important to the average PCO to you know to the individual trying to scale their company and our connection wasn't great. So, we decided we're gonna start from the top because this is information that you need to hear, and frankly it's it's a conversation that will definitely help me. But you know, one thing that I didn't mention the first time around was, you know, I want to hear about how you specifically got into the pest control industry, and then I want to hear about green mango, and we'll kind of take it from there, Cameron.
1: Yeah, so I was recruited, like most people into the pest control industry by my business partner is now Dusty Williams. I was recruited by him after my mission to work with Moxie, and he kind of got me my first little taste into it. Essentially, my plan was to be in real estate like my dad, and that was utilizing aviation to show land. And so, as, as I was growing up, I'd watch my dad, you know, show investors land in a helicopter all, all day long, and seeing that he was having fun flying helicopters and making good money, and I thought, wow, man, I want, I want to do that. And so, when I was in high school, I went and got all my aviation licenses, including my helicopter. Because when I got home from my mission, it was like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna join the family business. And so, when I got home in 2009, most people understand where the the market was in 2009, and it wasn't a great time to become, you know, or to join the the industry of real estate. And so, I had to pivot there, and that's when Dusty is like, hey come recruit with me for Moxie. And at the time, you know, we were working with Jason Wallen, who I look up to and I think is, is an amazing guy. And he was pretty much the same, like, dude, here's the, the card, like fly around wherever you want, put on these basketball tournaments, take people out to dinner and just make sure there's there's guys here um, when the summer starts. And like, I was just like, what the heck? He's giving me this credit card to go, you know, free gas, free food, free everything. I love basketball. And so I guess I got uh, I got hooked pretty quickly. And, you know, shortly after that, us, you know, I just decided like, Hey, we can, we can do this, you know, I hate to say better, but we can do this differently. And that's how it started, man.
2: Dude, that's so wild. I love the difference in stories that happen for like certain types of PCOs, you know, like you have like the door-to-door side of PCOs, and then you have like the technicians, the guys who like used to work as a technician for a company that eventually just kind of run their own companies, run their own businesses. But yeah, some of the, some of the stories from door to door guys are always just kind of wild and it's kind of fun. You know, I was going to ask how long into your pest control journey did you kind of branch out and, and go after your own company?
1: Well, so what's funny is I spent, I think it was like six or eight months recruiting with Dusty, all these guys. And then right before the summer, I was like, you know, your worst nightmare. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I'm not doing it. I'm not going out. Dusty went out and I stayed back and started a little mobile detailing company And after that summer, Dusty came back and was like, hey, like, you know, let's do our own thing. So Mm -hmm. I was in it for a grand total of six months. And it was just all the fun parts of recruiting guys.
0: That's crazy. So you actually never knocked for Moxie?
1: Never. (laughs) But I hung out with Jason Wallen
0: and, you know,
1: recruited some guys for him and had a great time, man. I, I love Jason. He's a great guy.
0: Well, I mean, you learned a lot about a very important aspect of door-to-door. That recruiting is tough, man. There's, a, I have a bunch of guys that they're like, you know what? I'm not going to recruit. I'll knock doors all, all ding day. I'm not going to recruit. So that's funny that you got that experience without knocking. Did you guys bring the door-to-door side into uh, Green Mango? Yeah. So the first
1: five years, that's all pretty much we knew how to grow. And yeah. And then after that, we kind of moved into what well, we're, well, we're doing now more towards traditional marketing. But yeah, the first five years, you know, I was on, we were knocking doors and trying to recruit sales teams and playing that whole, you know, song and dance.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Anybody that lives in Arizona, they've heard your commercials on the radio and seen your marketing efforts. What was it like? Do you guys do any door-to-door still?
1: we do in north carolina but not here in arizona no
0: so what was that transition like moving guys that do door to door you know there's so many benefits and it's it's a tough game but what was that transition like switching to more traditional methods of marketing
1: for us it was life or death i mean we were horrible at you're saying like it's hard to recruit we were good at recruiting but the retention aspect of it we are just we were horrible at, you know, Dusty, my partner, he's a creative and I'm more of an introvert. That's just, you know, systems and processes guy. And so, you know, but I know how to have fun. And so does Dusty and we have all the helicopters and planes and boats and all that stuff to recruit people with. But once we get them in the door, just that's like the retention of it. And so we were just blowing through summer sales teams every single year. Paying out, you know, large commissions and trying to wear all the hats. Didn't know how to manage people. Didn't know how to put leadership in place. And so, you know, I remember, you know, I was spraying a house in Maricopa, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with Maricopa, but you know, I'm in the backyard talking to Dusty, and I'm just like, "Dude, we got to figure out a way to to fire sell this thing. It's just not working." You know, these. How does anyone make money at this? And then luckily we, you know, just kind of caught some breaks on some of our, you know, Dusty being the creative that he is, just like, let me, you know, let's try a couple of different ways. And we had, I don't even think we had the money to start like radio and all that stuff, but we we're just like, hey, if we could sell, I can't remember the exact amount of accounts at, at the time, but it was a low enough number to where like, let's roll the dice on this and see if it works the first month. And luckily it did. And so we slowly transitioned off of doors and into traditional marketing. And like I said, I mean if our marketing efforts didn't work, Green Mango definitely wouldn't be a business today, for sure.
2: Dude, and I've seen like, so the first time I was introduced to Green Mango, I like caught a glimpse of your guys' Instagram. And dude, I am super jealous. It (laughs) looks so good. Like just the whole aesthetic of the entire thing. And I'm not a big social media guy, but I love marketing. Just because the whole idea of just putting out something out there and having somebody look at it and it appeals to them and it draws them in, you know, and it like helps with the whole buying decision and and customer experience, you guys are killing it as far as social media and other stuff. So, just a quick side note for from a marketing perspective, dude, your guys' marketing is fire.
1: Yeah, that's all credit to my business partner Dusty. He's he's amazing at what he does and he's
0: extremely creative and yeah,
1: he's got he's it's amazing.
0: So you guys start Green Mango, have just a lot of success after you know figuring some things out with the marketing. And then you start to dip your toes into some other industries. Tell me a little bit about that and tell me about what was it that you guys had in place that put you in a position to be able to do that.
1: I was at a point about, you know, I, I wish I remember the exact timelines, but I was at a point where I was 28, 29 years old. So about four or five years ago. And i essentially worked myself out of a job and for for me it was like hey where could i get the highest return on investment with my time and i felt like anywhere where i put it into the pest into the pest control company like yeah of course if i put my time into it i would get you know x amount for for the output you know i was kind of bored with all this time i felt like opening up these other service companies i'd get a higher roi on my personal time and so because of the people that we had in place in the structure and our traditional marketing of accounts, you know about the same amount of accounts flowing in each year, I was happy with that. And I felt like, hey, I can go start these other service companies. One, because there's a demand, because our service was so above the rest in quality of essentially what the consumer was receiving from the service itself. People were expecting or asking us, hey... You guys know a good pool company? Do you know a good alarm company? Do you you know have anyone that's cleaning the carpets and all this stuff? And so that's where it became an idea. Is like, hey, let's venture out and open up these other companies because people are asking, and we have a, an amazing large customer base that's that's wanting it. So,
2: you know what you're describing sounds like the dream of a lot of PCOs. You know, like all of a sudden, you know, they built this company, they've got the right people in place and they've got other customers that are asking them if they have any referrals for other types of business and they just think wow like i've got i've got free time like i'm not required to be in my pest control company in fact sometimes being in my pest control company i'm just stepping on toes now right you know i should get out of here and invest my time in something that can give me a way better roi and i can start building the things that people are asking me about right that's amazing that sounds like something that i think probably every pco listening Would love to get to. And you mentioned a little bit about like having the right people in place so you could do that. Do you feel like that has more to do with the people that you hired in the first place?
1: And so I look back on the different things that I've done in my life. And I feel like one of the most critical things that I've done is hire a life coach to essentially just give me a different perspective. And I'm more of a hands on learner. Like I didn't do very well in school. And I just, you know, but hiring this guy one-on-one time every single week for an hour, he was able to explain, you know, just like you're saying, proprietary methods of training people. It's not, it's just what incentivizes people. What is ego? How do you validate someone? What do most people, like what's the psychology of a person and what helps them stay motivated? All these different things. And so through that training, you know, I, I paid him for two years. To coach with me once a week and it, they were intense coaching sessions each session you know was recorded and he made me turn in notes we'd review the notes to make sure i understood the principles and then each week would have a handful of assignments of how to implement those things and so it was really understanding the psychology of you know the human being and how they work and what makes them, them tick and a lot of it was he came in and he interviewed a lot of my managers. Hey, if you know, if Cameron Zigo wasn't engaged, what would you say to him? What what do you like? What don't you like? And he was able to point out a lot of a lot of flaws that I had as an owner. You know, that was mission critical for me because of just my lack of wisdom and expertise. You know, like we talked about at the beginning, I didn't work like I've never worked for anybody else in my life. I've graduated high school, went on my mission, came home and you know got into pest control a little bit started the detailing company for myself and started green mango and so i haven't like that's one you know that's that's one of the things that has been challenging for me is i it's been hard for me to, to you know live a day in the life of someone that works for somebody else and so when i was able to have someone open up the floor to people that work with me to where they felt comfortable explaining hey cameron You know, one of the biggest things, which I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this, but one of the most common complaints was that when Cameron's walking around the office, he would engage in conversation and then start multitasking on his phone. Cause at the time I was, you know, running five other companies. And so my phone literally constantly, like like a lot of us, I'm not saying anything special. It's like there's not a time that I look down my phone where I don't have 30 to 50 messages waiting for a response from me. And so, like, for me, a big part of it was like when I engage with people, they have my undivided attention. I'm not looking down, trying to multitask and get something else done while I'm engaging there. And that was a huge thing for me. That was really hard for me to hear and understand and maybe pivot to where I manage my time better throughout the day to get back to those people in a timely manner. But also when I'm in the, in the hallway or talking to someone, they have Cameron. They, whether it's 30 seconds or two minutes, it's like, I'm giving it my all to you right now. And that meant so much, at least to my people.
0: What did your mindset have to be in order to accept that feedback? I think it's really natural for business leaders or owners for us to feel like, hey, we've got it all under control. We know everything, right? We 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 don't want to feel vulnerable. And what you did is you basically said through your life coach, it sounds like, hey, where are the holes? Where are the flaws? Which I think is such an important aspect, so, such an important part of becoming a successful entrepreneur and business leader. Because I always say that a business can't attain a level that the leadership of that business hasn't attained. So how did you get your mind right to... Because to, even as you were saying that, like, yeah, people were saying I was multitasking, wasn't paying attention to them. Even I started to feel defensive you know, how how did you get beyond that?
1: You just have to want it. And that sounds so corny, but like at the time, before we started these companies, I was in a, I wouldn't say depressed because there's people in my life that do suffer from real depression, but it was depression for me in the sense of, I just spent five years, literally probably on average working 16 to 18 hours a day, right. For five years straight, except for Sundays. And now all of a sudden people are in place and I have 18 hours of free time. Like that, going from there to there, it's actually really depressing. So there was a lot of things in my life that were empty and I just knew I needed something. I felt like I hit the, you know, the ceiling and I needed to take that next step. And so, you know, wanting it. And then, I mean, this guy's not cheap. You know, I I spent over six figures a year with this guy to coach me. And so when he's going to tell me something, It's like, I'm bought in. That was, you know, his price was enough for me to feel the pain. And truthfully, my managers, it was a rotating door. People were coming and going and, you know, that cost me a lot of money. And So it's like, dude, I can either, you know, keep going with what I am or I can make it change. Like, what do I want to do here? What do I want my legacy? And so it all comes back to wanting it and understanding that this is a small price to pay.
2: You know, I think it's really tough for PCOs to learn how to swallow your own pride and realize that in a lot of cases, when you have issues in your company, you might be the problem. Like you might be the bottleneck, you know, you might be the limitation, right? Because it goes completely opposite to a lot of the energy that you try to put into your business in the beginning, right? In the beginning, you're like, dude, this is all on me. I'm the only thing that can, I'm the only person that can make this happen. Like I go out, I kill it. I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going to grow this business. And you almost are trying to like kind of avoid any kind of negative thoughts because you're so scared that as soon as you open yourself up to thinking that way, that everything that you've built is going to come crashing down. Right? Yeah. And it's so funny how much of a weird limitation that is because you, you realize like, wait a second, it's not going to come crashing down. In fact, the only way for me to actually build on top of this is if I accept my flaws, you know, my limitations, the things that are kind of holding me back. Right. And I like that you had an opportunity. I mean, and some people might think that this sounds crazy, but you know, you had an opportunity to pay somebody good money, hard earned money, right? To tell you that. And then you thought, dude, like, if I don't take this guy's advice, if I don't do what this guy's trying to teach me, it's a waste of money, right? You know, and it's one of those things that I don't think really gets talked about enough. You know, like it, there's this weird dichotomy between being confident enough to run a business, but also being humble enough to understand that some of those faults are what's keeping you from growing.
0: Absolutely. Yep. I think it's hard. For people that start their own business to turn over the reins, because we Mm -hmm. think that, you know, hey, this is my baby. I started this. I'm in the best position to run the company. And I think that holds a lot of PCOs back. I remember talking to a guy, it was a couple of years ago, and he'd been in the business for a while. And, you know, he's like, hey, Alan, I need help growing my company. And I said, okay, John, perfect. What did you drive to work today? What'd you drive? And he's like, well, I drove my, my service truck. And I'm like, okay, I want you to take those keys to your service truck and leave them in your office and never drive that. Because he was telling me that he was always you know, doing reservices. He and got caught up doing this and that. <laughs> and he couldn't stop. And that's fine. If that's what you want to do, fine. If, if you want to do service, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not how I wanted to grow my pest control companies. And so we have to realize that. And I think sometimes we're like, well, no, I'm the best. I'm the only one that can do this. Now you have to be Cameron, you have to be a master delegator, right? You have to be this guy that can, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that goes in that, including getting out of your own way. What was it that allowed you to be able to basically hand Green Mango over to non-founders and trust them with your baby? What allowed you to get there?
1: I love podcasts because they're real. And so I don't want to put on this perception that it was one person and it's been roses. I've gone through three different people that have each helped and hurt Green Mango as the COO, right? And so, but at some point, like I didn't have a choice. It was, hey, I got five other service companies that I'm starting that I have to do this. There's no choice but to have you take the reins and do this and so just like you're saying it's no different than hey turn in your keys and never touch it again and you can't go do a research guess what because you don't have a rig in the back and so put yourself in that position where you're burning the boat and people will sink or swim and then you, you know there's a lot that goes into that i'm not encouraging you just to do it without you know all the correct indicators and kpis and bonuses and everything that goes into it but if you really want that you just gotta i mean you gotta trust people or else you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be the guy that's on the truck when he's 80 years old, and you know, eating what you kill. And if that's for you, that's for you. But if you're wanting to grow and scale, then you just can't do it. You got to let go.
0: I was talking to the owner of a a local gym here a couple of weeks ago, and she told me that she's trying to get to the point where she finds somebody that's good enough to take the reins, to take over. And I told her that it has been my experience that before you feel confident in that decision, you have to make that decision. The confidence comes after that decision that you have to say here, you know, you have to basically go out on a limb, say, Hey, I'm going to trust you. You do your homework, make sure they're, they're capable. And, but especially that first time, that first company or that, that first branch, or whatever it is that you're handing to somebody else, it's hard. And it doesn't matter how perfect that person is for the role the confidence, and at least in my experience has been that I allow them to take over and the confidence comes with time after that. Has that been your experience in allowing people to kind of fill your role and just take that position in the driver's seat?
1: That's what you have to do, right? And to that person, I'd say, are you perfect? Have you made any mistakes as the one that's in charge that cares the most? And so that's where, you know, if you're an operator, that's on the truck trying to get out, I mean, do a thinking. If someone's going to come in and ruin your business, how would they do it? And then just reverse engineer it. But most importantly, like, what do you want out of that person? What indicators do you want them to hit? And be okay with that, because that's where a lot—that's where I failed a lot. I'd have this notion in my head of what what I want them to do. That's not on paper. That's not quantifiable. That can't be tracked. And then they come in, and then I'm upset because they didn't. Do it how I, you know, had this grand vision in my mind, like that poor soul. You know what I mean? And so you need to be very clear on the expectations, the job titles, every detail of what you want, and then go let them fail and have and have, you know, those, which I haven't been great about, and we're getting better, but quarterly evaluations of where they're at, as opposed to just, hey, it's been six months, you know what? This just isn't working, man. You're not, you're not where I want you to be. Where did you want me to be? I don't really know, but you're just not there. You know, like how how many times have people done that? And so that's why I love the aversion thinking and going through it that way. And then just clearly defining your job scope and, and what you want out of it. And the hardest thing that I've had to do lately is, you know, is it about time or is it, or is it about the end result? And I think most of us, if we're in the right mindset, would say, well, yeah, of course, it's the end result. But when you have a salary person getting that end result done in three hours, it's like ah, can I got two more hours out of them? So that's kind of what I'm fighting with right now. But I think if we're being true to ourselves, either the goal is set too low, or you need to set it a little bit higher for that person. But what's what's the end result? And you know, is it time put in, or is it the you know the end result? So
2: you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, because we. I have a really tough time with handing things over to other people. You know, I feel like a really heavy sense of responsibility when it comes to certain aspects of my business. And part of me isn't even afraid of, of other people not doing it as good as I do, but just putting that much weight on other people. You know, it's almost like I, I like it's my company. I'm the one that should carry that weight, you know, and so I just don't want to give it to anybody else, right? And now I'm hearing you explain some of these things. I'm kind of realizing that, you know, the weight is kind of equal to the opportunity, right? And I've had really big opportunities in my life. And to have that opportunity, I have to kind of take the weight along with it, you know? And in order to really give the other people in my business opportunities, I have to be willing to kind of shed some of that weight and let them carry it around for a little while because that weight will teach them something, right? And they're going to make mistakes. And they're going to have a tough time and they're going to mismanage things and mess up and and have a a difficult, you know, issue with, with other people. And they're going to be able to go through all the same things I went through, which is what crafted me into being the business owner that I am. It just seems so funny that I'm trying to protect these employees from having to quote unquote, go through all those things. And all I'm doing is preventing them from growing into good, well-defined business people. Right? So, you know, I, I love the idea that you're kind of embracing failure and embracing the aspect of letting them take a chance. That's awesome, man.
1: And here's what I'd say, like, even if they perform their job at 50% and they took away, I don't know if you're saying it's full-time eight hours a day, like, can you not make that up with those extra eight hours that you have? And let's face it, if you have the right KPIs in place and you're watching them at least monthly, like what's the most they could mess up? Like truthfully, yeah. you know what I yep. mean. It's it's like if you're outweighing the good versus bad. It's like, dude, let that guy perform at fifty percent. I'm getting eight extra hours or four extra hours by putting this burden on him. I cannot, you know, that fifty percent that he lacks it. I'm going to go to go do two hundred percent over here, and I'm still at a, you know one hundred fifty percent gain.
0: Love it, hundred well, percent. As we're wrapping up here, guys. You know, Cameron, I wanted to hear a little bit about what the future has in store for. Green Mango and the affiliated companies, and and you kind of personally, what's next for you guys?
1: Yeah, man, that's a great
0: question. So
1: I'm excited about lots of things. Coconut is started to, you know, I believe coconut will be even bigger than Green Mango one day, and that's a huge statement for us because you know Green Mango is our baby, but coconut's an amazing business, and we actually launched the franchising model a couple of months ago. We uh, already sold four franchises, and so they're out right now. And we hope to sell more of those in the coming years. You know, our our goal is to at least launch 10 of those a year, sell 10 of them. And then I'm really excited about Green Mango again. And I say again because, you know, I've gone in ebbs and flows of just being excited about just what I can do and, you know, my input versus output. I feel like with the size that we're at now... You know, when I make these small tweaks, it, it makes a big difference to the bottom line. And so, I'm excited to double down on certain aspects of business that we do, like our referral program. You know, some of the marketing that we do, and you know, little tweaks with technicians and how much they sell or upsell, and you know, our close rate. And just there's so many little tweaks that I can get excited about with Green Mango, to where you know, one percent in each department, you know, makes up a, a large number for the bottom line. And so. As we're doing that, and that's what I'm excited about. And then, you know, we've started to just consult other companies on the side as well. It's not something that you know I'm trying to make you know a huge push for, but if I can help people and you know meet with them and do some consulting on the side, like stuff like this, I I get really excited about it because I feel like I have paid a huge price to where I'm at today with knowledge of, uh, you know, the buy-in, how to start companies and how to maintain them just because, you know, with all the companies that we have started, like we've failed at lots of things and, you know, some businesses we've had to sell because we just couldn't financially have it make sense. And so, you know, in all those struggles, that we experienced is the same for any company, especially in the service industry. And, you know, because we've gone through it, I feel like I can help people expedite their return, you know, by 10X, uh, essentially with just, hey, your culture, like we need to be talking about this right now, even though you only have two people, like let's start doing these little things because in two years from now, when you have, you know, five people or 10 people or 20 people, like it's going to make all the difference. And so, yeah, those are the three things that I'm probably most excited about. And so, but other than that, I don't I don't think we're starting any new companies. I think that phase <laughs> of my life is over. There's a lot of stress starting them out, both you know, physically and financially. Mm-hmm. And so it's just perfecting what we have and helping other people that have a good infrastructure, like you're saying, to help them get off the truck. So many people are stuck in that in that mentality, and I believe I can help them and I'm excited about that. So it's
0: fun. That's awesome. Well, You know, where can people reach out to you if they, you know, have some questions or, you know, they might qualify for some of that help from you? So, I mean, my email is just Cameron at
1: Hypefarm.com. And then, I mean, obviously Instagram, people can reach out there, just CBawden, C-B-A-W-D-E-N. So those are probably the two easiest things, easiest ways.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Cameron. We wish you nothing but success in the future.
1: Appreciate it. Nice to meet you guys.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.